All right, good evening. It's good to see all of you tonight. Want to say a special shout out and hello to our Rockford campus. Hello, Rockford campus. Let's give them an applause to our South Campus as they're watching this weekend by video because Pastor Norma's away. And I just want to mention to the guys before we get into the message tonight uh, that we have a couple of great activities coming up for guys. So guys, make sure that when you leave tonight, you grab one of these cards that has activities on both sides. One, we've got a men's breakfast coming up the last Saturday of this month on the 26th at 8.30 in the morning at the study center. And Derek Walker, uh, Pastor Ashton's father-in-law, who is a missionary, uh, is gonna be there to speak with us. It's gonna be a great morning. And then the other side of that card is, we are going to a Rockford Ice Hogs hockey game in November. If you'd like to be a part of that, is that activity? We encourage you to come do that. I, sh I, I promised the guys I would share a few hockey stories and some interesting stuff. So we're just gonna go and have a great time. So guys, either one of those events, you can buy tickets for out in the lobby after the service is over tonight. All right, well, welcome to week two of our series, Dealing with the Elephant in the Family Room. Here's how we define the word elephant. An elephant is an issue that every family member sees in the family, but deliberately chooses to ignore, okay? An elephant is something that everybody sees, everybody knows it exists, but everybody chooses to ignore. So last week in the message, Crystal talked about the first elephant that will destroy your family, and that is the inability to tell yourself the truth. She talked about self-deception. So when there is a member of our family, be it mom or dad or child, doesn't matter who it is, that lacks self-awareness concerning their behaviors and their attitudes, the way that they act towards other people, and that person refuses to address that issue, that attitude, that behavior, whatever it is, here's what happens. It creates tension in the family, it creates conflict in the family, and it makes the family dysfunctional, right? Nothing is more frustrating than when you have a family member who refuses to acknowledge how their behaviors and their attitudes are hurting the rest of the family, right? They don't get it. They don't see it. So last week, we talked about King Saul. And we talked about how King Saul lacked self-awareness. And because he couldn't tell himself the truth, two things happened. He lost his family, number one, and he also lost his kingdom. Why? Because he was living in self-deception. He chose to believe a lie and he chose to live a lie. And so we challenged you last week as a family, make sure that you're self-aware, make sure that you're not being deceived by the enemy. We've got to in our families, if we wanna be healthy, we've got to tell each other the truth. How many of you know that's easier said than done, right? Because we don't wanna cause waves in our family. But gang, if we don't tell each other the truth, our families will be very unhealthy. So today we're gonna talk about the second elephant that's found in the family room. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have a basement in your house? Let me see your hands. Okay, the majority of you have basements. So you're familiar with basements. Basements are very interesting places for this reason. Some basements that you go in are very, very nice because the people that own that house 
have spent time and money to make that basement nice. The, the basement has carpet and it has nice furniture. Maybe it has a home theater in it. Maybe it has a pool table or a foosball table in it. It has a wet bar in it. I mean, you go to some basements and they are awesome. And because they're awesome, you wanna spend a lot of time in them, right? Then there are those other basements. The basement that nobody wants to go down into because it's cold and it's wet and it's dark and basically it's filled with junk that the family has dumped down there and literally forgotten. And on the rare occasion that a family goes down into a basement like that, they're always surprised by what they find. All of this stuff, all of this junk that has somehow accumulated over the years. Why am I talking about basements? Because basements are a lot like families. Some families are open about everything that goes on in their household. They waste no time discussing issues that arise. They don't hide things. They don't put them in the closet. They don't sweep them under the rug. The atmosphere is very open and very inviting in that family. And then there are families where the opposite is true, where the atmosphere in the home feels cold and dark like those basements, because they have all of these undealt with issues that have been locked away and swept under the rug and hidden out of sight. So today I wanna to talk about the second elephant that is often found in the family room, which is the dirty little secrets that families sweep under the rug. And those dirty little secrets that we've swept under the rug will create a very unhealthy environment in our home. In fact, they will eventually destroy our home. Sometimes that environment becomes so uncomfortable, it becomes so toxic that family members don't even want to stay in the home anymore. In fact, family members can't stay in the home anymore, and so they leave. Jean de La Fontaine said this, nothing weighs on people so heavily as a secret. I want you to turn in your Bibles tonight to the book of 2 Samuel, if you would. 2 Samuel, chapter 13. And I'll give you a minute to go there. 2 Samuel, chapter 13. And I'm gonna begin reading with verse one, and we're gonna read all the way to verse 22, okay? We're gonna read this complete story tonight. And I wanna read this complete story because it's a story that is rarely preached on. It's the story of a dirty little secret that tore apart King David's family. Are you ready? Are you there? 2 Samuel chapter 13, verse 1. Here we go. Now David's son Absalom had a beautiful sister, and her name was Tamar. And Amnon, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. Amnon became so obsessed with Tamar that he became ill. She was a virgin. And Amnon thought that he could never have her. But Amnon had a very crafty friend. His name was Jonadab. Jonadab was his cousin. He was the son of David's brother, Shemaiah. And one day, Jonadab said to Amnon, what's the trouble, my friend? Why should the son of a king look so dejected morning after morning? And so Amnon told him, he said, I'm in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Well, Jonadab said, I'll tell you what to do. Go back to your bedroom and pretend that you are sick. 
when your father comes to see you, ask him to let Tamar come and prepare some food for you. Tell him that you'll feel better if she prepares the food for you as you watch. And if she feeds it to you with her own hands. It's kind of creepy, isn't it? So Amnon laid down and he pretended to be sick. And when the king came to see him, Amnon asked him, oh, please let my sister Tamar come and cook my favorite dish for me as I watch, for then I can eat it from her own hands. So David agreed and sent Tamar to Amnon's house to prepare some food for him. But when Tamar arrived at Amnon's house, she went to the place where he was lying down so that he could watch her mix the dough. Then she baked his favorite dish for him. But when she set the serving tray before him, he refused to eat the food. Then he told his servants, everyone get out of here. And so they left Amnon and Tamar all alone. And then he said to Tamar, now bring the food into my bedroom and feed it to me here. So Tamar took his favorite dish to him, but as she was feeding him, he grabbed her and he demanded, come to bed with me, my darling sister. No, she cried, don't be foolish. Don't do this to me. Such wicked things are not done in Israel. For where could I go in my shame? And you would be called one of the greatest fools in Israel. Please, just speak to the king about it and he will let you marry me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her. And since he was stronger than she was, he raped her. Then suddenly, Amnon's love turned to hate. And he hated Tamar even more than he had loved her. And he snarled at her and he said, get out of here. No, Tamar cried. Sending me away now is worse than what you've already done to me. Remember that phrase because I'm going to come back to it in a few moments. I'm going to explain to you what that means. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her. He shouted for his servants and he demanded, throw this woman out, lock the door behind her. And so the servants put her out and locked the door behind her. And she was wearing a long, beautiful robe, as was the custom in those days for the king's virgin daughters. But now Tamar tore her robe. She put ashes on her head. And then with her face in her hands, she went away crying. Her brother Absalom saw her. And he asked her, is it true that Amnon has been with you? Well, my sister, keep quiet for now for he's your brother. Don't worry about it. So Tamar lived as a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. Now when King David heard what had happened, he was very angry. And though Absalom never spoke to Amnon about this, he hated Amnon deeply because of what he had done to his sister. Now jump down to verse 28. And Absalom told his men, wait until Amnon gets drunk. Then at my signal, I want you to kill him. Don't be afraid because I'm the one who's giving you this command. Take courage and do it. So at Absalom's signal, they murdered Amnon. And then the other sons of the king jumped on the mules and they fled. In this story, Amnon, David's son, rapes his sister Tamar. Now that's awful in and of itself, isn't it? But what happens next in the family is even worse. The family covers it up. The family pretends that the rape never happened. And the result of their dirty little family secret 
was that Tamar's future was destroyed and Absalom eventually murders his brother Amnon out of revenge for his sister. And so using the story tonight, I want to make several observations about the destructive nature of family secrets. Here's observation number one. Observation number one is how a family responds to an issue is more important than the issue itself. Let me say that again. How a family responds to an issue is more important than the issue itself. So the first question I want to ask you tonight is, as you read this story, are you surprised that this kind of thing could have happened in godly King David's family? King David was the beloved hero of Israel, right? He's the king of Israel. Are you surprised that something like this could happen in a man who was so godly? I've said it before. I'll say it many more times. The Bible always tells it like it is. It never hides the ugly truth about people's lives, even when it's its most beloved character. Why is that? Because God wants us to learn something powerful from these stories, even when they're ugly. And this is about as ugly as it gets, right? The truth is that every family, at some time or another, has to deal with painful issues that they'd rather hide in the basement. You've had those issues. I can tell you we've had those issues in my family. Things that are embarrassing. Things that we never imagined we'd have to deal with. Every Christian family, good Christian families, can find themselves dealing with issues that are thrust upon them that they never imagined. Think about your life. Think about some of the things you've had to deal with. Did you ever imagine that would happen to you? Maybe it was an affair. Maybe it was a child that got into drugs. Maybe it was a this. Maybe it was a that. Just because we're Christian families doesn't exempt us from these kinds of things. We can be godly and serving the Lord with all of our heart, and yet, all of a sudden, there's an issue that gets thrown into our path. The problem is not that our families have an issue, because all families have issues. The problem starts when families keep an issue secret and refuse to deal with it head on. The problem starts when we have an issue in our family and we shove it in the basement. Now in David's family, the issue that they were dealing with was sexual abuse. It was rape. But in other families, it might be a family member that's dealing with an addiction, an addiction to alcohol, an addiction to drugs, pornography, a family member who rages and has an out-of-control temper that leads to domestic violence. It might be a gambling problem. It might be a financial mismanagement problem. Or maybe there's been an affair in the family. What I want you to understand tonight is that healthy families deal with issues. They don't hide issues. Because we all have issues. That's not, that's just the way it is. King David, the great spiritual leader, chose to do absolutely nothing when he learned what had happened to his daughter. I find the text to be very interesting. It says, David was angry. When you get angry, don't you normally do something? When I get angry, I usually do something. It tells us in the text that David got angry, and yet David was silent. David did absolutely nothing. Interesting. 
David didn't console Tamar. David didn't go and rebuke Amnon or punish Amnon. He couldn't have been that angry because David was chillingly silent. You'll also notice that David didn't ask for more information. Sometimes the reason we don't ask for more information is because we really don't want to know. Because if we know more, then we might have to deal with it, right? So David doesn't ask any more information. He just drops it. He just hides it. He just buries it. And in doing that, David did what many families do when an issue arises. He swept the dirty little family secret under the rug. He simply looked the other way, and he hoped that this whole thing would blow over and go away. You say, Pastor, why did David do that? Because it was more important for David that he protect the family image and save face rather than dealing with and correcting the behavior of his son. How many times has that happened in families? Our family image is more important than doing the right thing. And because of David's response, because you see, David is the head of the household. David left the most vulnerable member of his family, his little girl, Tamar, unprotected and all alone. I want you to notice the progression of this story because it's very subtle. It has a couple of parts to it. When this whole incident takes place, Tamar tells her brother Absalom what Amnon has done. And notice his response to her in verse 20. Sister, stay quiet because he's your brother. Don't worry about it. How many times have family members done that? Notice his advice. We've got to keep this a secret, Tamar. We can't let this get out. Why do we keep secrets in our family? Why do we keep secrets in our life? There are three reasons that I think often are behind the keeping of secrets. Number one, because we're ashamed. There's a shame element. Families don't talk about family issues because they feel shame. Number two, they feel embarrassment. And number three, there's fear. But I want you to know tonight that family secrets are an elephant that will destroy your family. It may not destroy your family tonight. It might not destroy your family next week or next month or next year. But eventually, I'm telling you, the family secret that you're carrying is going to destroy your family. It's going to destroy the relationships. It's not going to give you the kind of family that God wants you to have. The text tells us that because of the family's silence, Tamar was forced to live as a desolate woman. That's a very interesting phrase, desolate woman. Here's what it means. In Old Testament times, a rape victim automatically, because of the rape, became a social outcast, a pariah. A rape victim was considered unclean, just like a leper was considered to be unclean. And they were forced to live outside of the city. They had no opportunity to get a job or to work or to make a living. So even though it wasn't her fault, Tamar had now become a desolate woman. Now remember in the last series when we talked about Old Testament laws that don't make sense? Let me give you another one that kind of doesn't make sense to us unless you understand the cultural background. In Deuteronomy chapter 22, verses 28 and 29, here's what it says. It says there, if a man rapes a woman, then he must marry her. Now think about that. In our day, 
In 2019, that thought is abhorrent. That thought is horrible, right? You would say, why in the world would there ever be a law like that in the Bible? Why would a woman want to marry her rapist? That's like the furthest thing that would ever be on her mind. She might want to kill her rapist, but she certainly doesn't want to marry him, right? Would you agree with me? That law makes no sense unless you understand what a desolate woman is. Here's the reason. Being considered unclean as a victim of rape was basically a death sentence because you had no way to support yourself. And while this Old Testament law is certainly not perfect by any means, and it certainly doesn't address the woman's pain, and it doesn't heal the rape victim's pain, the intent of that law was to make sure that she would be cared for and not die. Because in that culture, it was a totally different ballgame than in our culture today. And so that's why when you're reading this text, after Amnon rapes her, what does Tamar say to him? He begs, Am she begs Amnon to marry her. Why? So she won't be sent away, so that she won't become a desolate or deserted woman without any way to support herself. Basically, so she won't die. It's interesting, a study of women who were sexually abused before the age of 18 revealed this, that only 5% of those women reported the abuse to authorities. And of women who have been sexually abused by a family member before the age of 18, only 2% reported it to the authorities. That means nine, in 98% of the cases, there is a secret being kept. So we've seen two responses so far to this family issue. The first response is that David chooses to ignore the issue. He chooses to just look the other way, okay? That's one way that you can respond when a family issue comes up. You can just look the other way. You can ignore it, right? The second response was by Absalom, and Absalom counsels Tamar to keep quiet. So, first two responses, you can ignore, you can look away, or you can keep quiet. But there's also a third response we see in the text, and that's also from Absalom. Because in this story, Absalom makes excuses for Amnon's behavior. Basically what he's saying, if you read between the lines here, is this, the Tamar. Tamar. Don't worry about this. What does that phrase, don't worry about it, mean? Let me tell you what it means. It means, you know Amnon. He's a knucklehead. He's your brother. He didn't mean what he did. So you just need to let it go, right? Have you ever had someone tell you that? Well, you know so-and-so. They're just like that. You, you just need to let it go. Many times, family members begin to make excuses for the behaviors of others in their family. Excuses like this, oh, I know he drinks too much, but you know, he has a lot of stress at work. We're making an excuse. Or, you know, she does that because of the way that she was raised, or, or because you know she had a hard life. Or sometimes we say about our children, and we look at their behavior and say, oh, oh, Junior, yeah, he's just going through a phase just going through a phase. To have a healthy family, we have to stop making excuses for our family members. And here's why. Because family secrets endanger lives. 
Family secrets hurt people, and they may even cause people to die, like in this case. Number two, my second observation, is that secrets are dangerous. Danger number one is this. Secrets prevent family healing. When a family keeps a secret, that silence does two things. It enables and it reinforces wrong behaviors in a family member. I want you to think about this. Nobody just decides to deliberately rape their sister overnight. This act was premeditated, wasn't it? Amnon had put a lot of thought into this. I believe that character issues had been brewing in David's son Amnon long before the moment of that rape. In fact, my guess is that there were other things in Amnon's life, other behaviors, other attitudes, that everybody in the family saw, but nobody dealt with, including David, his father. I guarantee you that there were other warning signs that were ignored along the way. But the family secret ruined Tamar's life and resulted in the death of Amnon. People get hurt when we keep secrets. Danger number two. Secrets erode life and happiness. In Psalm 32, verse three, here's what David said. When I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away. Do you know that hidden secrets in your life will actually erode your health and it'll also erode your joy? And when no one is willing to talk about the elephant in the room, it erodes the safety, it erodes the sanctity of the family environment. Danger number three is that secrets lead to agitation and anger. It's interesting, we read so far and then I jumped down to verse 28. Now, in just those seven verses, two years has now elapsed. It's two years later, and here's what we figure out or find out or see, that Absalom is still ticked off that there is an issue that has been brewing in his heart for two years, and finally it surfaces two years later. In fact, Absalom, over this two-year period, has become so agitated, he's become so angry over what has happened to his sister, probably because he's had two years of watching what's been done to her. He's seen two years of the pain and the desolation in her life that he creates a plan to get revenge on Amnon, to murder Amnon, and he does it. When we sweep issues under the rug, when we keep family secrets, we think that we've gotten rid of them, but they don't go away. They just go underground. And they become like a simmering pot that is continually boiling, boiling underneath the surface of the family. And what that does is it creates an environment in your family where this, there's this constant agitation all the time within family members, which eventually results in outbursts of anger towards one another because you can't keep a secret inside of you and not be affected by it in some way. It's going to leak out. And we see that in this text. Danger number four is that secrets create stress and anxiety in the family. When family members are keeping secrets, they know what has gone on, but they choose not to talk about it. The environment becomes very stressful. It becomes very anxious. People can't sleep. There's no peace in the family. It's not an environment that produces good fruit. What it produces 
is strife. Danger number five is that secrets eventually come to the light whether you want them to or not, don't they? The Bible tells us in that, that in Numbers 32, 23, be sure that your sin will eventually find you out. In Mark chapter four, verses 22 and 23, it says this, for everything that is hidden will eventually be brought out into the open and every secret will be brought to the light. And anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand, Mark says. People hide things in the closet because they think, if I hide it in the closet, it'll go away because we believe this funny little phrase that says, out of sight, out of mind, right? But the truth is that whatever you put in the closet only gets bigger with time. So what's the solution tonight to dealing with the dirty little secrets that all of us face in our families? It's the last observation, which is this. We need to expose secrets before they destroy us. We need to expose those secrets. We need to deal with those secrets before they destroy us. I say, well, pastor, how do we do that? Let me give you some steps. Step number one is this. We have to get honest with ourselves. We have to become courageous enough to declare that what has happened is not okay. How many of you believe tonight that what happened to Tamar was not okay? It wasn't okay, was it? Well, with the same tenacity and the same belief that we have about that incident, we need to look at some of the things that have happened in our families and say, you know what? What happened wasn't okay. We need to talk about this. We need to deal with this. David needed to be honest with himself. He was the head of the family, but he didn't. So until we're willing to be honest with ourselves, the pain will continue to persist in our families. Step number two is this. We have to recognize the impact or the effects of our inaction. You see, when we begin to realize the consequences of not dealing with secrets and the toll that it's taking on our families, it should motivate us to do something. But the problem is, most of us never take the time to really look at the pain that has been caused to other people by keeping secrets. We look the other way like David did. I find it absolutely stunning that this man of God, David, never went to see his daughter Tamar. Because I'm convinced that if he had gone to see her, if he had gone to her bedroom chamber, if he had looked into her eyes and seen the pain that Amnon, his son, had caused her, that David would have acted. But when we keep secrets, one of the things we don't do is look into other people's eyes. Because we don't want to see their pain because we can't handle their pain. We have to realize the consequences of our inaction. Step number three is this. We just have to ask for help. Share your secret with someone that you trust. Because once a secret gets brought to the light, here's what happens. It loses its power over you and over your family. Understand something tonight. The devil wants to keep you in chains. He wants to keep those family secrets in the dark because as long as that secret is hidden, 
He has control over you, over your family. But the truth will set you free. Isn't that what the scripture says? You will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Being able to have a trusted confidant, someone that can pray with you, someone that can stand with you and support you is important as you walk through something in your family. Trusted people can offer you and the family wisdom. They can help you to overcome blind spots that may be destroying your family. Get a confidant. We all have to have people that we can go to, that we can tell anything to, and they won't condemn us, they won't judge us, they'll pray with us, they'll weep with us, they'll help us. And finally, step number four. We have to acknowledge the wrong that's been done and ask for forgiveness if the family is gonna be healed. And that process begins by asking God to forgive us. Hebrews chapter four, verses 15 and 16 tells us that when we turn to Jesus for help, here's his response. It says, we will receive mercy and grace and forgiveness. Why? Because he is a sympathetic high priest who loves us. If you take your dirty little family secret to Jesus, he's not gonna cast you out. He's not gonna condemn you. He's not gonna judge you. There is going to be grace and mercy and forgiveness and love. But yet when bad things happen in our lives and in our families, what do we do? We run away from God instead of running to him. Can I say this? Tonight, Jesus wants to help you. He wants your family to thrive and flourish. He wants to heal your family if you will let him. And then the second thing necessary for healing is to acknowledge the wrong that you've done to the people in your family. Many times the wrong that we've committed is the sin of omission, not commission. The sin we've committed is that we've ignored the issue or we've kept it hidden like David did. I can't even begin to imagine the pain and the abandonment that Tamar must have experienced when her own father failed to come to her rescue in her time of greatest need because he felt like the family image was more important than her. By the way, when you apologize to a member of your family or to anyone, never say this, well, you know what I've done. You know what I've done. No, you need to name specifically what you did and then ask the person for forgiveness. And can I tell you something? You would be surprised at how forgiving your mate and your children can be when you come clean about your mistakes and your failures right away. I have found this to be true in, in so many families that I've counseled over the years, and I found it to be true in my own family. When I've had to go to my kids and say, you know what, I, I totally blew that. My kids have never said to me, you know, you're right, you did. They said, Dad, we know. We love you. Thank you. Thank you for apologizing. Thank you for saying you're sorry. Thank you for owning it. Thank you for dealing with it. The tragic tale that we've read about today in Samuel 13 illustrates for us what happens when families and individuals refuse to deal with family secrets and they just choose to sweep them under the rug. Tonight, don't let that happen to your family. I know that what I'm saying tonight is not easy. Oh, do I know. If you only knew. We've had to deal with a couple of doozies over the years in our family. 
I know, believe me, how hard it is. I've been there and had to deal with it. So here's your homework. I want to challenge every husband, every wife, every child, every family that's in the room tonight. Sometime this week, maybe tonight when you get home, maybe tomorrow, maybe set aside a time this week, and I want, to, I want the family to ask this question. Is there anything in our family that we have swept under the rug? Are there any dirty little secrets in our family that we need to bring out into the light so that God can heal us and bless our family? That's your homework. Because there is no secret that you're holding on to today that God isn't aware of already right? And there is nothing that has happened in your family that he can't heal and that he can't restore. Because Jesus is greater than all of your pain and Jesus is greater than all of your problems, thank God. But we have to make the decision that we're going to stop hiding and we're going to start healing. Amen? Let's pray tonight you would just bow your heads and close your eyes. I want to ask you a question tonight. Is there something that you need to confess to God right now? Just in your own personal life. Is there something, even as I've been talking about tonight, that the Holy Spirit is dealing with you about? Is there a secret that you've been trying to hide that's destroying you and destroying your family. You've just swept it under the rug. Tonight, I wanna just pray that all of us will have the courage to deal with whatever secrets that we may be holding on to. Maybe there's something that you're carrying tonight that's eating you alive. David said, when I kept silent about my sin, my bones began to waste away. I think he meant that literally. Because stress will destroy your immune system. Stress will destroy your bones. There is nothing that Jesus will not forgive. He's just waiting for us to come to him. So I want to pray for you tonight. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would give every one of us in this room the courage and the strength to deal with whatever issue may be going on in our lives or our families. We're all broken people. We're all guilty. We all have issues at times. But Lord, here at Life Church, we want to have healthy families. And healthy families don't have secrets. Healthy families aren't perfect. They're just families that are with your help and your strength are dealing with the things, the issues that come up. There's openness. There's authenticity. There's transparency. Because a lot of times in life, Lord, I know that it's not because of something we've done, just all of a sudden an issue gets thrust upon us. 
and we find ourselves in a situation we never thought we were in. And because we're Christians, oftentimes we feel ashamed. We feel embarrassed. And we're afraid, what, what will my friends think? If they knew what my kid did, if they knew what my kid was into, if they knew what my wife or husband did, will they forsake me? I get it. Lord, would you just help us tonight? This is really where the rubber meets the road. This, these are the tough issues of life, I know. And I just ask for your help. And I ask for your grace. And I ask for your strength for everyone in this room, every family in this church, God. Because I want them to be whole. I want them to be healthy. I want them to be healed. I want them to have the kind of life that you died to give them. So Lord, help us to learn from this story. Your word says that everything that's in the scripture is for our benefit. It's so that we'll learn. It's so that we won't make the same mistakes as David made in his family. Help us tonight, Lord. Help the folks that are here. Help me. If you just keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed, I want to ask this. Maybe you're here tonight. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you asked him to forgive you of your sins tonight? I don't want to allow you to leave this place without having an opportunity for you to receive his forgiveness and his grace. He wants you to experience a life of joy and peace. And Jesus is reaching out to you today with his love. So if you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins, you've never committed your life to a relationship with Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says that the only way that we can get to heaven is by receiving the forgiveness that Jesus offers because he died to pay the price for our sins on the cross. You can't work to get to heaven. You can't be good enough to get to heaven. It's by grace that we get to heaven the grace that Jesus gives us. If you're here tonight and you never, ever asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, and you'd like to do that in this moment, nobody's looking around. I'm just going to ask you on the count of three to just slip your hand up, slip it back down again. One, two, three. Is there someone tonight? Thank you. Is there someone else here tonight? You need Jesus. This is your moment. Thank you. Could we all just pray this prayer together? Everyone in the room. Lord Jesus, tonight I ask you to come into my heart. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I recognize that you died on the cross for me. That you paid the price for my sins a price that I could not pay. And I want to say thank you. Tonight, I make a decision to choose you and to serve you the rest of the days of my life. Help me to follow you. Amen.
Would you stand with me tonight? And I'm going to invite the members of the ministry team that are here tonight to come down to the altars. We have over 96 women that have been at our women's getaway all weekend. Um, I have not heard from my wife, but strangely enough, I heard from our tech person, Lee Erickson, who sent a report back that it has been a phenomenal time, that the Holy Spirit is doing all kinds of things there. Um, so when your tech guy, who's not even a woman, is saying that, I figure it must be pretty good whatever's happening over on Lake Geneva this weekend. So continue to pray for them. Uh, but uh, we have some folks here. If you need prayer tonight, Pastor Brock is going to close us out. You come and you receive prayer. Pastor.